Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 53rd episode, I'm happy to be joined by artist Corey Peake, who speaks with us from La Grande, Oregon, where he's also the gallery director and teaches at Eastern Oregon University. We talk at great length about the vast amount of collages. Again, tons and tons of small collages on his website, so please go ahead and check it out before you get too far into this interview. Again, his work deals with kind of dispelling uh, certain myths, exploring sexuality, so please go ahead and check out that work. If you haven't heard of Studio Break before, we are a podcast and blog that features a variety of contemporary artists discussing their work in depth, all of the things that go into their research, technical approaches, materials, you name it. We do have over 65 different podcasts. Some of them are shorter in length. And you can access all of them simply by going to the Studio Break page and scrolling down, or you can go through the archive feature, which you can easily access. Just look over on the left sidebar, and you'll see the archive feature. You can go month by month and check out all the podcasts that you miss. And again, we've got a lot of great artists on there to check out and discover, so please go ahead and do that. You'll also notice on that left sidebar is a link to my website, davidlinaway.com. Again, i got some new work up there, so if you haven't been there for a while, please go ahead and check it out. Or if you just want to find out more about me, it's a good way to do it and see what my interests are. Again, we do have a donate feature, and coincidentally, in the month of March, if you donate, you qualify to win a free print. And it's been great. We've had some donations already. And any way that people can help support this podcast, either monetarily or sharing with others, we'd really, really appreciate it. Of course, there's a variety of ways that you can reach and interact with Studio Break. One is to like our Facebook page. Again, we provide previews of some of the guests that we have coming up, share cool links, updates from past guests that have shows going on, uh, call for entries. So please go ahead and like our Facebook page. Again, you can follow us on Twitter, at Studio Break on Twitter. And, of course, you can find us in the iTunes Store. Search for Studio Break under Podcasts, and you can subscribe there. Once again, we really appreciate any comments that you could leave. It just helps a little bit in terms of visibility on iTunes. And for those that like other podcasts like that at Sports or Sound Opinions, whatever you like, again, it's just really helpful in terms of those looking that are hardcore podcast junkies. All right, enough of me talking. Here is this great interview with Corey Peak. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break. I'm happy to join this morning by Corey Peak. How are you today? I'm good, David. How are you? I'm excellent. And, um, you know, I'd just like to get a little bit of a background of, of where we're talking to you from. I believe you're out in Oregon, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. I'm in La Grande, Oregon, a small little town in the eastern side of the state. And you are the curator at uh, the Nightingale Gallery. At, is that, is at that e- right? That's correct, at Eastern Oregon University, yes. Excellent, excellent. And how long have you been out there? Uh, this is my 10th year at EOU. Excellent, excellent. Well, you know, I like to just start out typically by just getting more of a background. And I, I know that you grew up in Michigan, but could you talk a little bit about, um, you know, what that experience was like? And uh, 
I guess how that informed your your early existence in this world. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I grew up in a, another small town called Sturgis, Michigan. It's in the uh, lower southwest part of the state. It's two miles from the Indiana border, actually. Uh, not a terribly exciting place to grow up. Uh, my father was a uh, he worked in the printing industry. Uh, my mother was a stay-at-home film uh, homemaker. Uh, my father also uh, was a projectionist and actually still is part-time at the local movie theater. So I, I think the most influential uh, aspect of that was that my uh, my dad was always bringing home these like end rolls of paper from the presses. So I had you know constant uh, paper to draw on. And he and my mother would occasionally go to these uh, trade shows, too, where uh, printing trade shows, um, where they would come back with all of this, you know, bags of all this stuff, you know, embossed papers and, uh, you know, different uh, font books and Pantone books and all that uh, good stuff. And I kind of fell in love with all that, you know, uh, essentially junk, I guess. But... So I think that was a big uh, aspect, and I think, and also like the movie posters my dad would bring home was like a big influence on me early on. I didn't really realize that right away, but I think now when I look back at it, it kind of uh, brings my, uh, I understand where my love of uh, paper and printed material comes from. Yeah, I would imagine. It just sounds like you're, you'd be around that, that kind of uh, material all the time then. Yes. Did you, did you have, like, garage fulls of uh, uh, stuff? No, I wouldn't say garage fulls, uh, though my parents are uh, not really, they wouldn't call themselves collectors, and they're not technically hoarders, uh, but they don't throw anything away. You know, they're from the uh, Depression children, so they know better than to waste anything. So, you know, we have, there are stacks of movie posters uh, laying around, certainly. And I was just talking to my dad last weekend, and he said, you know, I think I still have some bags of that stuff from those trade shows. Do you want it? And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. So, I, well, and I would yeah. imagine you wind up collecting a lot of stuff yourself then. Oh, yeah, tons of stuff. I have drawers and boxes, and yeah, I'm just, I'm always finding stuff. In some ways, it's good that I live here in Oregon because it's a little, I find a little less of that stuff. When I lived in San Francisco, it was like I was always, you know, finding vintage photographs and and even just stuff on the street was so uh, often very compelling that I'd pick it up. So here it's a little less so. So I'm not, I would probably be a total hoarder if I still lived in San Francisco. <laughs> right. Well, and so... What was your interest? I guess I guess early on was in terms of just kind of that that creative process of you know being a kid. Obviously, I would imagine drawing and, and things like that. But were there any particular subjects or things that you kind of investigated early on, or did you play a lot with these materials that you were finding? Yeah, I don't. I wish I could remember uh, better about stuff like that. I guess I, I you know I think I. Uh, Right now, we're in the process of uh, installing a regional high school exhibition, and I look at that stuff uh, that we're putting up and go, oh, yeah, I did that, too. You know, it's all these drawings of animals and, you know, pencil drawings and that. And, you know, I did all that, too, in, you know, freshman in high school or senior in high school, probably, too. Um, so I was really kind of drawing-based, like, like I said, those rolls of paper. That's what I would, you know, crayons when I was little, and then I just kind of progress along 
Um, so I was really drawing based. I was that even when I went to college. I mean, my I, I got my BFA at Kendall College of Art and Design in Grand Rapids, and it, it I was a painter, or that's what they said I was a painter anyway, or I said I was a painter. Um, but even then, I started, you know, uh, my senior uh, show in college was I started adhering a lot of things to the canvas. I was stitching umbrellas or roping shovels to the canvas, you know. So it started to become more, uh, I think, material-based, um, moving away from traditional painting and drawing probably in college. Well, and did you take a lot of different kind of courses, you know, in, in terms of kind of, I guess, contributing to that, you know, things like uh, printmaking or paper making, ceramics, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, we didn't have ceramics. Uh, we, I had some ceramics in uh, high school, but my, my colleague, Peter Johnson, <laughs> who teaches ceramics here, would tell you I haven't had a ceramics course. So, no, I haven't had ceramics. I did have printmaking. I was never – I got into monotypes, I guess, my senior year, which I did enjoy quite a bit. Um, but I was never a big fan of printmaking, maybe a little bit lithography, but it was all too uh, strict process oriented for me. And that's not really the way I work. It's a little more spontaneous than that. So I felt a little constrained uh, by that. So mostly I was doing painting and drawing. I originally went to uh, undergrad school, though, to be an uh, advertising designer, though. So I did have some uh, courses in, you know, uh, typography and things like that, package design that were, I think, still in, in some ways kind of sneak in and inform what I do. Certainly my love of that kind of imagery certainly is uh, one of the reasons I wanted to go into advertising. Also, I wanted, you know, to actually make money then. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> well, and so it, it makes me wonder then, too, I mean, you know, when when you see all the work that's on your website and all the all the collage work, and mm-hmm. you know, I think I, I tally them up to being, I think almost to like three hundred or something, and counting as I'm going through all these. Um, was it was it something that that spontaneous spontaneous way of kind of putting them together? Is that something that kind of developed over time, or was that something that you were kind of, um, I guess, dealing with when you were when you were going to school? Because I would imagine that most you know, instructors want you to be very precise and, mm-hmm. you know, follow follow certain rules in terms of composition. Right. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I think, like I said about the painting, I think, and adhering things to it, I think it kind of morphed a little bit out of that. I never thought about, um, in undergraduate school anyway, I never thought about collage even as really an option. I never really... You know, it, and it still gets a bad rap from some people, you know, that is just, you know, just gluing some crap together. So, but then when I went to, I went to Wayne State for uh, a year and I started doing a little bit more experimenting with materials and, and uh, some collage elements, less assemblage elements and more collage elements. And then I left there um and went back to Sturgis for a short time, and then I moved to San Francisco for the summer. And for, I'm sure everybody knows San Francisco, and even then in, what was it, 92, was incredibly expensive to live there. Um, so my friend Stephen and I were living there, and I certainly had no... Uh, money to buy art supplies with. So again, I started kind of collecting stuff that I'd find on the street and I started using cardboard and just making, um, 
collages out of that and started um i started sending them back to my friends in that back in michigan and they started to get really kind of a a a a response out of it. One of there's a gallery in Grand Rapids, um, who my friend, a couple of my friends worked for, and I would send them the collages, and they would take them into the gallery, and then the gallery kind of got interested in them. So then I was like, oh, maybe I'm actually onto something here. Maybe I don't need you know five hundred dollars worth of paint. Right, right. Well, and and what was the the subject matter? Because I think you know. Um, you know, certainly kind of repurposing all these, these found materials and, and um, you know, combining them is, is something that's, you know, all of what mm-hmm. you're about in terms of these collages. But, you know, in terms of just that, that interest early on, I mean, were you particularly kind of struck by anything or, or was there a particular subject that you would explore? Because the, the figure also kind of pops up a lot, too, and I was kind of curious about that. Um, I think it did later in the late in the late stuff from San Francisco, and after I moved back to Grand Rapids, it certainly did. The figure um, and, and ideas about sexuality and that came into it. Early on, the first collages were just kind of more uh, formal experiments with, again, with any of the stuff that I would find. I did, though, uh, start to go back, and I'd started collecting in, when I was at Wayne State, these, um, uh, what do you want to call them, health manuals and sex manuals and that from the, you know, as far back as the late 1800s to the 20s and the 40s and the 50s that have, you know, these very skewed ideas about sexuality, both homosexuality and heterosexuality and, you know, women's roles and all that. Um, and they had a lot of, um, well, the text was odd and I would start bringing in text with that, but also they had a lot of, um, imagery in them that I really found myself drawn to of these. And I, I'm sure, um, Probably your listeners may have seen these old uh, medical books where they're black and white photos of uh, some man or some woman or whatever, and they have some disease on their arm or they've uh, lost their arm or whatever. And it's this naked picture of them with their eyes blocked out either by a dot or a black bar. Um, And I just found those really, um, you know, at first I had no idea why, but I just found those really compelling images for some reason and... I was just really drawn to them, and I started incorporating a lot of those into the work. The idea that we would see something, such a personal image of them, but yet still have no idea of their identity. Yeah, mm-hmm. And I think some of that still carries over into what I do now a lot, that identity thing. And Yeah. Sure. Well, and, and it makes me wonder, too, then, in terms of uh, other materials that you wind up using, is it kind of just a open season in terms of, you know, whatever you can kind of come up with, or maybe if there's a particular place that you're starting from? I know that, you know, a number of the, the pieces, maybe you'll start, like, there's there's one that's based on a series of baggies mm-hmm. or Polaroid photographs. I mean, is a particular way that you kind of choose, like, a, a process and then just explore the materials? Yeah, I think it, it, it's pretty much that. I wouldn't, I, I think choose is probably a little smarter than I am. I think I just kind of get hooked <laughs> on something like the Polaroid process is one. It's just, I, I bought um, uh, one of those day lab uh, things so I could print slides. Um, and I just started doing that. And then I started combining those. And so for a year or so, I was just really hooked on doing collages with those. And then it kind of morphed into, 
uh, something else, working with some wax and caustic things, and then uh, transparency film, which I'm still using a lot of uh, now, uh, because I'm finding that I also, uh, like now the transparency film is great for me because I'm finding a lot of vintage imagery in that, but it's not so much in books anymore. I'm finding a lot of it... um, I'm a total Tumblr addict, so I find a lot of it on Tumblr, uh, especially like mug shots and that vintage mug shots. And so then I can print them off on this transparency film and uh, play with size and that and cut them up and combine them. And so, yeah, I just I I guess I just more stumble into things and then I'm kind of like, oh, I want to explore this for a while. Well, and and where do you typically find these things? I mean, I as as one of your. Facebook friends, I, I, I think I saw recently someone uh, had sent you some materials, but mm-hmm. do you wind up like perusing, um, you know, estate sales and yeah, I like, things like yeah, that? Yeah, I like garage sales, I like estate sales, thrift shops a lot. That was a great thing about San Francisco, a lot of thrift shops, um, antique stores now. Um, I have a, a place called, I probably shouldn't tell anybody, but I'm sure everybody knows, it's called The Apartment in San Francisco. I try to go to San Francisco like once a year or so. And they have seriously this uh, bookcase, uh, floor to ceiling bookcase, probably, you know, six feet wide or so, just filled with these bins of vintage photographs that they've probably just picked up at estate sales. And I've just been collecting those a lot. I've done a whole series based on those, and they still enter in even into some of the newer work. Um, again, it's like these images of these people who. We have no, I mean, they're probably dead. Most of them are probably dead. And nobody knows who the hell they are, even though their faces are. We do have their faces in these, but they're still, you know, it seems it's really kind of depressing to me to see all these abandoned photographs, you know, um, that obviously meant something to somebody at one time. These people obviously meant somebody at one time. And and I kind of like to repurpose them to kind of give them another life, to let them be seen again you know, and maybe in a new way, too. Well, and it's interesting, too, because it, it just makes me want to, I don't know, put a camera behind you during that process, because mm-hmm. I'd imagine that, you know, there's got to be some kind of selection that kind of goes in in terms mm-hmm. of, like, what you see, or if you, you see something that kind of strikes you as, as being interesting visually, or... Yeah, definitely. This is part of, it uh, goes back to your earlier question, too. My dad, he had his own darkroom in that when I was a kid, so he would take photographs of me and my brother and my grandparents, and and, and my parents are 36 years older than I am, too, so he had been doing that long before I came along. So uh, I kind of grew up around all these um, old black and white photographs, so I think there's a definite connection there. But, yeah, there's definitely imagery that I respond to, too. You know, uh, I'm I'm still very drawn to um, representations of the male figure from different time periods. I'm very drawn to black and white generally. Every once in a while I'll find, you know, uh, old Polaroids or old, you know, uh, 70s color photographs that I like, but I'm generally more drawn to that uh, black and white thing. I usually do look for, you know, something that seems kind of unique about the photograph, I guess, that there's whether it's compositionally, it just seems kind of sophisticated for a snapshot or or something, you know, I'm not sure I can exactly put my finger on it. It's one of those things I know it when I see it. Sure, and I think especially one of the things that seeing all your work kind of brings up for me too then is just that, that actual process then. So, I mean, do you have this, you know, if you, if you do you have like a table with just like 
stacks of all this stuff, or is it kind of neatly organized? Or <laughs> yeah, I wish it were neatly organized. <laughs> I, I have uh, lots of friends, especially Facebook friends, who are collage artists who are so organized. They have all these labeled boxes and that. Um, I have drawers full of, you know, okay, I have a drawer full of transparency film. I have a drawer full of paint chip samples. I have a drawer full of old photographs um, or drawers full. Um, and, you know, I'll just kind of rummage through them and just kind of start piecing things together. And part of it for me really is, and I think a lot of, I think actually for a lot of collage artists it is, um, part of the fun of it is the hunt. It's like finding that right thing for the right exact moment. It's like, okay, I need um, this, you know, the, the little end of tape that comes on the scotch tape, the starting point that has little arrows on it. I need that. I know I have one of those somewhere. And it's kind of getting to dig through all that stuff again to find that. And then you, uh, along that way, you find these other things. Oh, I totally forgot all about that photograph. Oh, I'm going to use that. And it, and it sparks, you know, other things. So you might be working on one piece and it sparks the next piece by doing that hunt. Well, and it's it's interesting too because it's it, it's almost like you're forming this kind of new identity for all of these all of these things, or almost you know the way that like a like a private investigator or something like that would kind of start piecing together these different things and reorganizing them. Yeah, in a way, I think yeah, it is something like that. I'm, I am creating a new, probably not their identity. I'm sure a lot of these people would see the things that I've done to their pictures and be horrified. Um, but yeah, it is like kind of creating a new uh, personality or whatever for them. I think, yeah. Well, and it makes me wonder then too: is there a particular you know idea that you have in mind in terms of setting out for some of them, and in terms of you know some of the series? Because it seems like that kind of working in a way where you're kind of you know free associating and and putting these things together mm-hmm. that it might be something where you're not you know specifically starting out in mind with like a certain vantage point in terms of like what you want to say about a particular piece. But what's that, what's that process like then? I think it's become a lot more of that. I think I uh, used to, and you can look at some of the series on my website or Facebook or whatever of a lot of the work had a lot of the earlier work. And even up until a couple of years ago, had to do a lot with uh, sexuality and images of, the naked male, I think, because, you know, we see a lot of the naked uh, female in art history and that, and there hadn't been a whole lot of attention paid to it. So that was a lot of conceptually what I was working around for a long time. I think the last, oh, I'd say year and a half, maybe two years, I've let a lot of that kind of go, and it has become a much more organic experience. I kind of let... um some of that conceptual stuff take care of itself because I am certainly drawn to um, imagery that, you know, I'm consistently drawn back and back to certain imagery. The the nude male still shows up, Um, you know, these portraits of men still show up. And I think they're, they're, it's still linked to that earlier work, but not the process of making it is a little less uh, structured. Right. right. Well, and it, it seems like it's a way that you can kind of address those concerns of identity and then also how those those perceptions of it might be something that also changes depending on you know when something's printed or you know what the what is considered the norm in terms of representing that at a, a period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, I would agree with that. Uh, it's it's it. I'm I'm really still interested in that idea of d- identity in that. I think that's one reason. Like I I love the uh, mug sh- the vintage mug shots that I find. There's something just really, 
you know, there's something contrived about a lot of the uh, photography that I find, even the snapshots and that, that, you know, oh, we're going to smile and be happy for, you know, this picture for five seconds and then go back to beating each other with that or whatever. Um, but the mugshots are just so, you know, they're just really honest, you know. So there's something that's compelling about that. And then being able to print them on, uh, you know, scale them to match size wise and to print them on the transparency film and then actually start gluing the eyes of one guy and half of the face of another guy and the neck, chin and neck and putting them all together and creating this whole nother kind of, uh, individual out of them, uh, again, again, plays with that idea of identity and, you know, kind of multiple levels, the construction of identity. Um, but also the, what's more honest, this, you know, this, picture of this guy who, you know, just got arrested for shoplifting or, you know, this uh, happy couple having a picnic over here, you know, really, which one is probably closer to the of who they are. Well, and it's interesting, too, because that, that you know, obviously there's a, a collaboration in terms of, you know, selecting these images or, or piecing them together, too, but the way that you're taking these things and, and scaling them to, to fit you know, this new collage, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you're kind of creating this new world for them to kind of coexist in. Yeah, that's that's one thing, like I mentioned to you earlier before we started, that I'm not a, a tech person really, you know, I've learned to do Photoshop and things like that, but I have, uh, it has become an awesome resource for finding, you know, these digital images and being able to resize them and 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 do a lot of that, which I can't do you know, if I have a couple found photographs and, you know, the, the guy's head in one of them is, you know, a quarter of an inch high and the guy's head in the other one's, you know, two inches high and I want to combine them, it's I can't really do that without some technology. Well, and it makes me wonder then, too, is that something then when you're working through like a, a piece, are you working on, you know, one at a time or would you, you know, scan or, or kind of digitize so that you can scale these things mm-hmm. um, and just have them as a, as a source that you can just pull from. Yeah, there. Uh, I do a lot of, um, you know, uh, again, I'm like a total Tumblr addict. I'm always going through there and, and culling images and that and from other sources, Google and everything, and um, collecting them. And then I kind of make a file of them. When I have a bunch of them, I take them and throw them into Photoshop and start playing with sizes and that. And then I start printing out transparencies. So I'll go you know, collect for a while and then I'll go print out, you know, a stack of 30 or 40 transparencies with multiple, whatever, uh, let's say 10 heads on them or whatever. Um, so yeah. So then, then I have all that to kind of draw from. Well, it makes me wonder, you know, what, um, what that role of also, and I I know that we're going to be jumping around a little bit, but what that (laughs) role of like a social media also kind of plays too, because you're finding, you know, images online in, right. and in a way that, that you wouldn't have found, like, you know, when you were an undergrad. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. And we didn't, <laughs> I had one computer class in undergraduate school, which just seems so quaint now. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't even learn Photoshop or PowerPoint or that until I came here 10 years ago for all that matter. So yeah. Uh, and Tumblr, you know, I guess I've been on Tumblr maybe two years, probably not even that. And Facebook, probably three or four years, maybe. Um, so yeah, it's all, uh, really, uh, new, but it is, it's an amazing, uh, kind of resource. And again, I wouldn't be able to do 
you know, living out here in the middle of nowhere, essentially, you know, we're again, a really small town, very isolated in this valley here, um, you know, about three hours from Boise and about four or four and a half hours from Portland, I wouldn't have access to, well, the things I like I would find in San Francisco or even in Portland for that matter, um, that now I can uh, have access to but via Tumblr or Flickr or, you know, Google, whatever. Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome stuff. It's interesting because it kind of just adds like another layer, you know, mm-hmm. another another kind of way of kind of um, incorporating this this other context or something. And, it, yeah. you know, it makes me wonder, too, like if you get, you know, images that are really degraded, then when you get them because whoever uploaded them just yeah. it was a really low res image. And then how do you deal with that? And... Yeah, sometimes some some I just kind of have to let go because they're just not going to work for me. A lot of times I can I work really small, too. Um, so that's often not a huge uh, problem for me. But. Yeah, I have to monkey around with things uh, sometimes. Sometimes I like the degraded image. Um, for a while, I was collecting, it sounded sound like a pervert, but I was collecting these images that, um, you know, guys would take of themselves with their naked pictures that they take of themselves with their cell phone in front of a mirror. Um, just because there, again, there was something about the honesty about that and just something, I don't know, interesting about just the, what made them do that there was there seemed to be some story there so i was collecting those for a while and i was doing some work with those pieces and actually i have uh three of those pieces in a show in uh illinois right now uh, what's it called uh, it's called phone sex it's uh digital devices and the transformation of intimacy um it's the university of illinois springfield so yeah it was part of it became a little bit an investigation of the technology too uh early on i think a little bit how there is much more of a a proliferation of the male nude now just because there are guys out there taking pictures of their junk with their cell phone now that you know wasn't happening you know 20 years ago well, and it, it even just that context of it kind of changes, you know, because you know if you're com- if you're stumbling through like all these photographs, or you know you're you're going through an estate sale or a garage sale or something like that, you know, you don't have the same kind of context that you do if someone's you know posting this for an explicit purpose, or at least right. you, it makes you wonder what that purpose is, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, though I will say, I came across some wonderful yard sales in San Francisco with some. Polaroids that, wow, you're really selling these at your yard sale? Okay. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> well, it makes me wonder, too, what um, what your opinion is about those wonderful George Bush paintings, you know, the... Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, was it you who posted? I think you were the one who posted them where I discovered them, maybe. Um yeah, it was. I think it was a blog by uh, Jerry Saltz that was kind of going around. Oh, that's right. It was Jerry. That's right. It was. There's something kind of, you know, I wish I didn't know who painted him. Um, but I think some people commented that there's something about um, there's something the naivete of them and that that's kind of sweet. And then also there is this. Why are these the things he would choose to picture himself in the bathtub or in the shower? And that there does seem something very kind of. Uh, David Hockney uh, erotic, especially about the shower one that's so odd, especially in connection with uh, our former president. Then again, you know, I want to know the story behind that. It's it's 
it's interesting. Um, you know, I I don't really want to have to talk to him about them, but I would like to know more about them. Well, it's it's interesting because I think that you know that it just kind of kind of points out that that idea of masculinity too is something that everybody is kind of exploring, even if I guess they don't know. Well, not everyone, but you know, it's something that right. is out there and um, something that's always. Mm-hmm kind of uh, uh, perceived by someone. And I mm-hmm. think one of the things yeah. that's so interesting to me about that one in particular is that it's so, as someone that's painting themselves, to paint yourself mm-hmm. from the back seems like such an oddball way of approaching yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not the, I mean, that's something that I think is kind of really kind of sophisticated about them is they're not the, you know, if he was painting self-portraits, you know, himself in the mirror, and the, even if they were still, you know, awkwardly painted, but that'd be like the composition I'd expect, this kind of banal composition. But that's not what he's doing. They are these kind of more interesting, thoughtful, uh, thoughtfully put together compositions than I certainly would have ever given him credit sure, for. Sure. Well, and and I guess to to kind of talk um, about some of some of the bodies of work more specifically. And uh, sorry about that tangent there, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, that's all right. But you know, if we could maybe I don't know if we start out maybe like um, and because I think there's a number of series like say the the baggy series that uh, seems you know fairly mm-hmm. obvious in terms of like these are all these collages that are kind of going into to baggies and and. Um, Mm-hmm. you know, all of a, a particular scale. How mm-hmm. how are these displayed and how is it that they interact, especially when they're in a, a gallery space? Well, that's interesting. I've never, I, the recent show I had at Saranac Art Projects um, in uh, Spokane, Washington, that just uh, came down a couple weeks ago was the first time actually I've ever shown them as a group. I'd never actually shown them before um, other than on the web or whatever. Um, so, and the curator there just kind of grouped them all together. So I haven't really even never played with them in the sense of display, I don't think. Um, I've always thought of them kind of on, on the wall, I guess the basis of all of the collages are, uh, paint chips, paint samples that you get at, uh, you know, uh, Walmart or hardware store, Home Depot, whatever, um, that fit perfectly in those little baggies that I bought it. You know, I've had this baggies probably for like 20 years. I have no idea what I originally bought them for. Um, but then I was like, oh, these paint chips fit perfectly in here, you know. And it was, I think, one of the reasons that it motivated it was to be able to make this work um, and kind of conserve it in a way, too, without having to frame it. Because that's the thing that always, you know, I'm, I'm a cheap <laughs> bastard. Um, I work with a lot of, you know, found materials and that. Um but the thing that always costs me a ton of money is the framing. So, yeah, I think that was probably uh, uh, trying to sneak away around. That. Well, and it makes me wonder, too, then, what kind of um, what kind of reaction you kind of get from people that, that are seeing the work? Are they trying to piece together, like, a, a narrative? Or, obviously, I'd imagine you'd have a statement, sure, but... Yeah, I think a lot of people, um, we just had a... Fortunately, I have a... T- you know, since we're in a small town, I don't show much around here, so I'm you know, sending work off that, you know, my work's far better traveled than I will ever be. So I don't, I don't have a lot of interaction with people and what they think about it, but we just had a faculty show here. Um, and it was interesting. We did a gallery talk and it was interesting. Uh, you know, I talked for like five or 10 minutes and then having a conversation with the people who were there and getting there, 
kind of reactions to it, how they were, you know, some of the older people in the audience really identifying with the black and white photographs and uh, bringing back these memories of their uh, childhood or their parents or whatever. And then some of these, uh, the younger uh, kids, I'll call them kids, they're not, I know they're young adults, and they're completely kind of different. They still had a connection to them, but a different kind of connection to them, you know, looking at them as this kind of, in a way, kind of a social media way, this kind of, you know, Facebook way, how they um, relate to images of people and that, too. So, uh, yeah, they're all, you know, I like that, um, you know, I think early on my work was very, um, you know, when it was really dealing, dealing with sexuality, it was very didactic. And I really am really rather pleased now that it's it's much more open to interpretation for people that they can kind of bring their own thing to it. And these works can kind of act as triggers for them to construct their own narrative. Right. right. Well, and it, I guess just to kind of get an idea too, when you, when you kind of noted that switch, um, you know, of kind of moving towards the, um, the ones where you just really left to free associate with them. Is that something that's in the last couple, like couple mm-hmm. years or, yeah, I would say I, mean, I think it's been developing longer than that, but really kind of letting go of, you know, okay, I've got to have, uh, you know, this conceptual agenda here first before I can make these things. Um, letting that go and just uh, what was really helpful for me was um, I started working in the, uh, the smaller pieces that I, small square pieces that I do that I sent you some images of those are all in these little um uh, sketchbooks, and I just started working in these sketchbooks, and then initially just you know trying to get ideas working, and then they kind of became these kind of finished objects that I didn't. There wasn't this. Okay, the, I have to work on this really nice piece of paper, and they'll end up being framed. The sketchbook kind of took a lot of the pressure off. It was just like I could experiment and feel free, and I just kind of kept doing that in the sketchbooks and even now in in some of the larger pieces doing the same kind of thing so it's it's evolved over time but i think those sketchbooks really kind of freed me up from it well and i think too the the format it becomes pretty interesting as well because i'm notice i notice especially when just looking through these um these works and again it's like 300 something which is <laughs> it's pretty fantastic because yeah. you can just kind of keep yeah. going through them like uh like you would like a, you know, at a record store almost, but, um, yeah, yeah. but, uh, the, you know, the, the Polaroid series, um, you know, you're stuck to a, a specific kind of format or, you know, kind of working with a specific format to start with. And then if you just maybe in comparison, talk about that in relationship to the wallflower series, you know, it seems like you're open this, the white area is much larger. You're kind of allowing mm-hmm. whatever elements to kind of interact with the, the floral. Um, but, um, yeah. I don't know. Is is that something that even just a transition like that is something that adds to that overall kind of language that you've developed? And then, you know, how does that does that just kind of sneak up into a different body of work? Yeah, I think so. I I I, I was doing those Polaroid pieces, um, and again, the, obviously they're small because they're all based on Polaroids. And then I'd gotten, somebody had given me all of this Stonehenge or Reeves BFK, really nice paper, you know, like, I don't know, uh, how many did I do? There must have been 100 sheets of it, I bet, because I must have done like 70 collages uh, on it. But, you know, that much larger paper, you know, like 20 by 30 or whatever it, it comes in. Um, 
And so I was starting to do collages on those. And then that white space became much more important. And then that kind of transferred over into the wallflower. Even when I went back to working small again, even in the sketchbooks and that, that, that kind of uh, surrounding space becomes uh, kind of important. It's not, um, and I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately and I'm not exactly sure you know, I teach some drawing in that. And, you know, I always tell my students to, you know, work up the whole drawing, you know, don't just, you know, not right in the center, you know, work up the, you know, it's like, but then that's what I do. I'm a, you know, I'm a hypocrite, I guess. I'm not exactly sure why uh, it works that way. I think some of it has to do with the idea of portraiture and that, though. Um, I think uh, that focus on that, uh, which has evolved again in the last couple of years, um, I think has a lot to do with probably some of that. Well, and it, it's interesting too, because even, you know, we're talking about the, you know, the, these larger pieces of paper and then, you know, kind of including these other areas. But then if you go and look from, mm-hmm. from the wallflower series to the transparency series, you get a much, mm-hmm. much bigger piece of paper too, um, yeah. where you're really kind of able to kind of have a balance between that, that thing that might be very small and then something that's very large and expansive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, I don't know. Have you have you ever? Because um, I think in one of the exhibitions that you've had on your website, or at least documented, all you've mm-hmm. also kind of included working on the wall. Um, is that is that mm-hmm. something that's also uh, kind of incorporated in terms of when you display these, or is it still mostly then just kind of very much like a, this thing is an entity of itself? Yeah, it's become. Uh, I've let it go a lot of the wall drawing, the uh, early stuff. Um, I was doing um, again. It was really I was doing it all on paint chips, paint samples, um, and I would even order from the company these big sheets of them. So it was all constructed around that. And I did a show at Eastern Washington University. Um, I think in 2003, well, I think I'd just moved here, um, and I'd wanted to, a lot, I was using a lot of, uh, coloring book imagery, um, in the collages itself, and I wanted to incorporate that into, uh, exhibition of the work, too, in the display of the work, um, so I was incorporating these kind of coloring book drawings into, uh, how the work was displayed on the wall, and that evolved for a little while. I would, I'd doing some other imagery on the wall related to um, the collages. Um, it became something that it was. Um, I did a kind of an installation piece here over a summer with these kind of wall drawings and drawings on large paper and collage on large paper, and I just really realized it's not me. Um, I do like the intimacy of uh, working small. I like the intimacy of people um, interacting with my work one-on-one, too, and instead of it being this, you know, kind of communal effort of looking at, like, you know, Jackson Pollock or something. Um, I like that intimacy. It, it, I, I used to work big, ugly paintings when I was in undergraduate school, and I think this is just more me. I'm a little, I'm a fairly private person, too, so, it's you know, I can just kind of sit here at home and work on these things. I don't have to, you know, have this big space to do them in or whatever. Well, it can be private. And are are you always kind of got something going on or something in the works? Because, you know, just even, even the sketchbook work on the website kind of, I don't know, to me anyways, it seems like just by having that on there kind of emphasizes that, you know, it's something that you're, you're kind of always playing around with these. But um, was that the case? 
Yeah, it's pretty much the case. I would say it ebbs and flows. There are definitely times where I'm like, okay, I'm not, I just can't, you know, it might be too much going on at the university or whatever, and I can't really focus enough to, you know, do anything. But I do try to have, you know, my my sketchbook and a bunch of crap here around me. And, yeah, for a while there I was doing, you know, several a day. Um, now it's kind of ebbed a little bit. I haven't done uh, anything really in a couple of weeks. I've got a collaborative project that I uh, I need to work on with somebody who sent me the kind of the stuff that now I've got to build on it. Um, so that's kind of waiting for me, and I've kind of been trying to uh, kind of formulate some ideas of how I want to approach it because it's in a – he's a, more of an assemblage artist, so he's put together these, you know, vintage wood things, uh, constructions that he sent me that he wants me to then add my collage work to in some way. So it's a completely different way than I've ever worked, so it's taking me a little – I probably am overthinking it, actually. I need to just probably just do it. Right, right. Well, and – I think especially it makes you wonder too. Then the the so the most recent work, you know, obviously, I don't know. It seems like it's kind of combining a lot of these different modes of working almost, or like you're again just kind of adding to that language. But um, you know, one of the mm-hmm. other things that I'm noticing too is there's a lot of a lot of these uh, kind of dots or kind of circular mm-hmm. dots, and then you know things that we've already kind of talked about removing the face or you know kind of haloing mm-hmm. things are still there. What what are some of the I don't know, are, are they just kind of like things that you become interested in in terms of working visually, or is there a, a specific idea that you have in mind in terms of... I think somebody asked me this at that uh, gallery talk we did for a faculty exhibition, and I hadn't really particularly thought about it before, but I think a lot of the dots come from... Part of it, they, they usually are made out of the paint samples. I like using, like, office supply stuff. You know, I use a lot of scotch tape. I like the, the hole punches. Um, things like that to make stuff. So I think part of it's that. I also think part of it still derives from, uh, well, just like you were talking about the identity thing, a lot of those old photographs I was really drawn to. Sometimes it was a bar, and you'll see those um, in some of my work too, blocking out the eyes. But a lot of times it was this uh, dot, this uh, circle blocking out the face too. So I think a lot of that, those still are uh, – literally and figuratively still floating around um, from that. I think they've kind of evolved from that. Well, and it seems like, too, again, some of the, there's there's some collages where, you know, some of the materials are hanging off the edge of the paper. As, mm-hmm. I don't know, is, is it just a matter that it just, like, again, just kind of continually trying to find, I don't know, new ways of exploring something? Um, you can, mm-hmm. How about this? You could give us the craziest thing that just hasn't worked out. Oh wow! I don't know. Um, hmm. I guess you probably avoid uh, uh, going back to those moments where you thought, you know, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm, gonna well, I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. What what has really not worked out? I think I was trying to incorporate some drawing and stuff again with some of them that, yeah, I really didn't think worked out. It was just they they were like too. I guess in my thought processes anyway, they were two separate things and. And I hadn't combined them in my mind. I didn't believe it in my mind, so I couldn't really make it work on the page either. Um, yeah, that might be the thing. But what you're talking about, I think the breaking the edges, I think part of that evolved out of um, uh, doing those Polaroid pieces because you have that, you know, that consistent white frame always around them. And it's just someone was just like, okay, I've got to find some way to, you know, 
bust out of this thing is driving me a little bit nuts here. Um, so, you know, doing these things that burst out of that, that frame somehow uh, was, I think, where that came from. Um, I like to set up these kind of rules for myself or constrictions for myself where, you know, like, okay, I'm only going to work on eight by eight inch sheets of paper, or I'm only going to work with these Polaroids or whatever. But then after a while, then it's like, you know, it's kind of like my students trying to figure out their way out of doing the homework. I need to figure out my way around this, cons- uh, this constriction that I've made for myself. Sure, sure. Well, it makes me wonder, too, in terms of the editing process. I mean, do you have, like, you know, 20 of these up at a time that you're working through? Because um, they're, all, they're all relatively small, you know, whereas, mm-hmm. like, I've got, I've got stacks of these paintings that just wind up in, in other places right. that, you know, just take up space and trying to see mm-hmm. them all in the same area is pretty difficult. Yeah, I think in the sketchbook ones, I'm just kind of working page by page because um, then I don't, you know, some of them could suck and I'm not really worried about it. The, the larger ones, yes, I will have, you know, I'll get something and be like, eh, that's kind of close, but it's not exactly right. So I'll, I won't glue it down. I'll set it up and I'll work on, you know, a couple other things I may have going on and then go back to it and see maybe I've figured out what's wrong and then kind of glue it down. So, yeah, I'll definitely have like three or four of, you know, the ones that are like, you know, uh, 15 by eight or whatever those sizes are I'm really bad with um uh, numbers period so yeah i'll have a few of them uh going on but it's not like uh you know i'm amazed by some people who have you know these long tables or walls uh filled with multiple things going on i, I wish i could say that i did that but i don't <laughs> well and i think it's it's one of those things too where you just wonder what someone's space looks like you know as, as they're working yeah. through it anyway it's just well especially just because i would imagine you know i think the latest series uh or the stuff that you have for 2012 is 148. So I don't know why yeah. I just imagine just like a, <laughs> it's like an entire room filled with <laughs> stuff everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not like that. I have this, I actually, I have a garage where I have a studio space. Um, and it was, you know, I couldn't even work in it in the winter. It was an old unfinished garage. And I had a friend of mine come in and drywall and insulate it and everything and it's it, and it's really nice now and now i can't work in there because it's just too clean and nice like now i have a tendency to just work you know in my in my living room and just make a huge freaking mess all over the place because i don't know there's something more relaxed and comfortable about that for me where now the studio is just like oh my god now you gotta make something real you know it's just the, the pressure i guess it's just like too much uh, for me, you know, I need a crappy, messy space, you know, with, you know, a little paint chip dots all over the carpeting that I'm finding in my, you know, I pet my dog and I find them in my dog's hair or whatever, you know, I kind of need that, I guess. Nice, nice. Well, um, so what kind of stuff can we look forward to in terms of, uh, you know, you mentioned this collaboration and a mm-hmm. uh, number of other shows that are going on, but what's what's going on in the works right now since you uh, got to keep shipping it off? Yeah, I, what, what do I have? I've, I've got some long-term things. I've got a show coming up. I think it's next year at uh, Gallery Six PDX um, in in Portland, uh, which will be my first solo show ever in uh, 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 in a commercial space in Portland. Um, and a year after that, I've got a show at a university, which I can't even remember what university it is. That and right now my show at Whitman College, the uh, image attached, 
exhibition is up um, and is up through, oh, what is it, up through April something or other, April 12th. And that I'm really happy with. I went to the opening of that, and I, like I mentioned earlier, I'm going back to speak in a few uh, weeks again. Um, that has like 70 pieces in it, not counting. There's six sketchbooks in it, too. So there are these sketch, you know, that have about 80 pages in them that are chock full. So there's 70 framed works. So it's, a, it's been a, it is a really big show for me. It's probably the biggest grouping of my work that uh, I've ever seen together. So it's, it's been really interesting to see, uh, you know, it's about, uh, I don't think any of the Polaroids are in it, but I think it's probably about two, two years, two and a half years of work in it. So it's interesting to see, you know, kind of the thread that goes through um, some of those different bodies. Um, other than that, um, I've got some work being published in RFD magazine in their spring issue, uh, Creative Quarterly magazine in their spring issue. Um, I just had um, work published in, um, it's an online magazine called Gambling the Isle. Um, it's out of Colorado, I believe. Image on the cover of that and also an interview in the magazine. Um, so that's mostly what I've got going on. I'm also a contributing writer for uh, Collage Magazine, which is a publication out of uh, Montreal. Um, so I've been doing uh, quite a bit of uh, doing some book reviews and some interviews in that for them. So that's what I've been up to and what I'm working on, I guess. Sounds nice and busy. <laughs> Yeah, it is busy, yeah. There's not, like I was telling, there people were asking me at uh, the Whitman show, how do you make all this work? And I go, there's nothing to do in La Grande. <laughs> i got plenty of time. Right, right. Well, it's been excellent having you on to talk about your work and, um, you know, share your insights about it. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you, David. I really appreciate it. Thanks again to Coy for joining us. And, of course, if you'd like to see more of his work, please visit his website, CoyPeak.com. Again, he's got hundreds of collages there, really great stuff. Go check it out. Of course, if you've been listening this entire time and you're wondering more about me, what I do, you can check out my website, DavidLinway.com, or simply use that hyperlink on the left sidebar and just go. There's a number of new pieces that I've included, so if you haven't been there for a while, you can check that out. You may also notice that on the left sidebar is a donate button, so if you're feeling extra generous or you just got your tax return and you want to help us out, we really appreciate all donations. And again, through the month of March, you will qualify to win a free print by yours truly. If you'd like to preview it, you can simply go to our Facebook page, which is a convenient way to stay in touch with all things going on. So please go ahead and like us there. Again, you can also follow us on Twitter, at Studio Break on Twitter. And, of course, we hope that you subscribe to the Studio Break podcast in iTunes. Just use that link to subscribe right on this blog entry. Again, comments are greatly appreciated. If you've been enjoying the music thus far, you can find a ton more. We get it at freemusicarchive.org. They've got thousands of songs, albums. You can preview by genre. And again, it's all free, so go ahead and check it out. Our songs today were by Computer Magic. Taking us in was Grand Junction, and taking us out is In So Many Ways. So please go ahead and check out freemusicarchive.org. 
Just a couple of reminders to check out some of the recent podcasts we've had, including Michelle Forsyth, who just had an exhibition, a group exhibition, Grid Graph, at Mulhern and Pollard in New York. We had Shelby Shadwell talking about his show at Manifest and some of the updates that are going on in his studio. Great drawings, so please go ahead and check out his episode. We had Kendra Pates on to talk about the House of the Seven Gables, which is a huge exhibition running through April at Illinois State University Galleries. Really great stuff. And lastly, last week, we had Leslie Mutchler talking about her work, which is fantastic and was a really great interview. So please go ahead and check that out. Speaking of exciting announcements, I have an exhibition at Jan Brandt Gallery, May 11th from 7 to 9. It's going to be all new work, and I'm going to be excited to have people there to see it. So I'll let you know and post that information on our Facebook page. We're also interested in working with some gallery spaces or exhibition spaces to do these mobile shows. So if you're interested in co-promoting an event where we could do a mobile gallery or something like that, we're interested, so please contact us there. Perhaps our most exciting news this week is that Amanda Lehman is on board as our editor and contributing partner. So it's a very exciting time to have Amanda on board and uh, looking forward to continue to work with her and see all the great things that she brings to this podcast and blog. As always, please help us out by sharing this interview with Corey Peake. Get it out there. Again, if you're a student, peer, faculty member that think someone will like this work, please do your part and share it. All right, that's our episode for the week. We'll talk to you real soon.